You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 99. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Janon Levin and Pontus Böckmann. See ya, Stock. Всем привет. Hey, son, hey, son. Hey, Salihou. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time. Welcome, Andres. Welcome, Welcome to the show. It's nice to have oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be back. Uh, if for a short... We feel so extra honored. <laughs> ha, ha. ha You know, the reason why I, I keep doing this, that I'm, I'm stepping out and back in, is that um, you don't get too much fed up with me. So... Uh, <laughs> I don't want right. to give you an opportunity to do that. But it's it's great to be back finally. I loved the latest episode. Congratulations guys. It was it was really good. And I I we just discussed it with Pontus that I had I had nothing to do with this episode whatsoever because <laughs> even 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 when oh, when I cannot record, you... still I'm the one uh, editing Editing. It. This time yeah. it wasn't. So it I, it was a quite a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> really loved every moment of it. Yeah. Very good. You know, episode 99, that, that's fantastic. I remember when we posted the first one, and I remember we put two zeros in front of the one, zero, zero, one. Yeah. Because I thought yeah. maybe sometimes we're going to need three digits, and now we're almost there. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. One episode to go until we need all three digits. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, we've been discussing a lot this topic, and... Um, the question of what to do for the 100th episode. Yeah, we decided that our special episode will be about interviewing a couple of people we have already interviewed, but we would like to invite them for a short check-in um, yeah. to, to do some update, to, to run through a couple of things that they have done uh, since since we interviewed them. So this this is what the, what the idea is. We are not telling you, dear listeners, who, is, who no. those people will be. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a surprise. It will be old friends of the show. Yeah. Friends that we have made during this two-year journey. It's been, it'll be fun. Yeah, and um, we are hoping to have as many of these people as possible. Hmm? So be prepared for a longer episode than usual. Hmm. <laughs> but this episode is a regular segmented episode. So I'd like to uh, just quickly run through a couple of uh, quick news. First of all, one of my favorite things to talk about is when something happens in Italy. Hmm. And... Uh, there is something in the making because on the 21st of November, uh, Massimo Polidoro comes out with a new book. Ooh. <laughs> He's absolutely prolific. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how, what, what number of, of books is that now? I don't know, 20 something, uh, close, yeah. to, close to 30, I think. Mm hmm. It's nice. And now, this time, it's going to be that uh, you remember the last one was about uh, Colosseum. I have a signed copy of that, actually. Ooh, Excellent. Nice. From Cheek Up Fast. Yeah. Mm, good for you. And that's a very good book. I, I or only started uh, reading it, but I, I, I'm loving it. And uh, he does very good, some very good research into into the, the, the stuff that he writes about. And uh, that's what I'm expecting to happen with uh, The Secrets and Treasures of the Vatican. Ah. Uh, that's, that's a new book about. Mm. I'm really looking forward to, to having that out. 
Mm? Uh, really interesting. Yeah. While we're mentioning briefly what's happening out there in in Europe, I can also say that the Heinz Oberhumor Award has oh. been announced for 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 this year. What's this? Well, this is something we talked about last year. It's a new was a new uh, award uh, created last year. Uh, it's a, for science communication, and the first recipient was uh, James Randi. Uh, but now uh, the 2017 winner has been announced and there will be a ceremony in Vienna on the 25th of November. Uh, this uh, award will go to Julia Enders. Uh, well, how do you say that in, G- in German? Julia Enders. Julia Enders. I don't know. I'm <laughs> trying to be local. So it's just a pronunciation. And failing miserably. Yeah, yeah. So she's from Hamburg. She's... A very young PhD uh, uh, holder or doctor of gastroenterology. Mm-hmm. She's just 24 years old, and she, but she's written a book called in German Darm mit Charme, that Darm mit Charme, and that is about how the gut interacts with the brain. And it's sold over two million copies in in German, and it is also available in English. And the English version have sold over a million copies as well. And she has held, held lectures and published art- articles and uh, seems like an awesome person. Well, uh, this is very interesting because I have be- become more aware of the um, all of this gut bacteria influencing our lives more and more recently and how actually everything we do is dictated by some little tiny organisms living inside our mm-hmm. guts. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it, they can affect depression, appetite, weight gain, weight loss, uh, everything we do. They, they're like little tiny controlling robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I don't know if that's the scientific description, but there is something no, to it. Of course not. The nanites. The nanites. The nanites. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's it sounds like an interesting book. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and I think I think it's a great uh, award, and I hope they keep giving this out every year. Science communication is something that we all believe is very very important, and it should be awarded when when somebody does it good. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Science communication is usually the basis of um, of some uh, skeptical uh, organizations and skeptical activism to emerge in a country as well. And this is what we can read about when we go on uh, PSYCOP's website, or CSI website, where Luis Alfonso Gámez writes about the origins of the Spanish skeptical movement. There is one problem with the article, though. It's in Spanish. (laughs) And I'm I'm really hoping for uh, Luis to to write it up in uh, English as well, because I don't know if you remember, when I, I wrote a similar article... I was published by CSI both in English and Hungarian. Yeah, that helps international readers yeah, to, sure. to understand what, what, what it's all about. Mm. By the way, Luis Alfonso Gomez is a member of the Skeptical Circle, Circulo Skeptico, which is uh, one of the two member organi- organizations of uh, EXO from Spain. So, uh, yeah, hoping for that article to come out in English as well. Uh, talking about English, we have a lot of UK-related stuff to talk about uh, on this episode. Starting with uh, the segment presented by Yelena that it's called This Week in Skepticism. Today I would like to talk about somebody who was born on the 14th of November of 1948, and that's the week that our episode airs. Not in 1948, but in 2017, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> 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 it was Charles. 
Prince of Wales. He Ooh. was born. Mm. Charles Philip Arthur George. He's got too many names, man. I mean, yeah. and there, one is more What's than their enough. surname? Is their surname Windsor? I have no idea. Anyway, Ski, okay. he was... <laughs> He was the eldest child of Queen Elizabeth II, known alternatively as... Uh, but he still is, right? As Duke of Cornwall. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he, still, he still is very much alive. Uh, he's uh, 68 years old now. Uh, yes, so he was. he's also alternatively known, known as Duke of Cornwall, uh, Duke of Roths, Rothsay, and he's long-serving uh, heir apparent in British history. So having held the position since 19... 19- 52. Hmm. Now, the reason why I want to talk today about Charles, uh, Prince Charles, is because of his unfortunate contribution to the alternative uh, medicine um, and spread of alternative medicine, uh, not just in UK, but around the world. He's been a very active proponent of alternative medicine. Yeah. Over the years, the friend of our show, Edzard Ernst, who writes in a great blog, um, which is edzardernst.com, um, has had a couple of runnings with Prince Charles himself uh, after publishing um, some articles. And um, he tried to stop him from spreading any misinformation. That, uh, But it's very hard because uh, Prince Charles has got a lot of influence and a lot of money and political power uh, in a way. So amongst uh, some of the things uh, that uh, Charles, uh, sorry, I should call him probably Prince Charles. Charles, my pal Charles. Charlie. (laughs) Charlie. Good old Charlie. Charlie. Um, Prince Charles have lobbied for statutory regulation for chiropractors and osteopaths in the UK. He... uh, was uh, elected, unfortunately, in 1982 to be a president of British Medical Association. He straight away started promoting the um, alternative medicine and advocating for the alternative medicine and saying how the alternative medicine should be, of course, integrated into a conventional medicine. Then he has also founded uh, an organization called Foundation for Integrated Health uh, that later was closed down because of uh, some uh, alleged money laundering and fraud. But that, still, that didn't stop his, his efforts. So he um, he was very outspoken in his support w- uh, with alternative medicine. And every single big event he would go to, he'd, uh, you know... M- he make sure that he mentions uh, his stance on it. And he even once stated that he was proud to be perceived as an enemy of the Enlightenment. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, I don't really know how... Why would anyone be proud of That's that? not something to brag about. <laughs> no, it's not. No, absolutely not. But he obviously... This is... Yeah, it was just like a, uh, yeah. the most bizarre uh, bizarre thing that, yeah. that, that, that he could say. But um, Yeah, he also... Also uh, advocated uh, homeopathy for I think I don't remember if it was his cattle or his horses or it was both, but in the veterinary mm. use of of homeopathy. Yeah, no, he absolutely did. Yeah, yeah. he did that as well. So um, of course, the, the problem with, with somebody like Prince Charles advocating all these things is because he is so visible. Uh, he's out there in the public sphere. Everybody can see him and they and every single thing that he says um is published in the newspaper with big colorful uh, headings and so uh, people can of, of course it's a confirmation bias if they're looking for to confirm their bias uh, that the alternative medicine work they can say look even prince charles supports them so um not very helpful and um He's not about to slow down, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> He's still very much in the media. Um, 
and he's still very much active. And he's gonna be... The closer he gets to actually inheriting the throne, the more he will appear in the media, I'm pretty sure of that. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and then he'll take that opportunity again to keep promoting these uh, yeah. ideas. But that means that we have to work harder and we have to promote the critical thinking, the uh, evidence based medicine, and uh, keep doing what we can. I, I don't want to be mean, but what do you think he would say to his father? He's been hospitalized recently, several times. When he's hospitalized, what would he say? to his father being treated with homeopathy only. Yeah, well, he probably believes it works, so I don't think he would have a problem with that. Uh, yeah, but... Um, is it, if, is yeah, it, but it, it'll, it would turn out not to work very, very soon. Yeah, but, you know, then his father would have died despite of being treated with the best homeopathy. You, you never you must be confirm right. that it doesn't work. You must be right. No. Yeah, you must be right. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. So I think that's all I wanted to talk about today. Enough said about that man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if someone someone doesn't find it enough, please go and uh, get Edzard Ernst's book, uh, A Scientist in Wonderland, in which he writes about his clash with uh, with uh, Prince Charles at length. Indeed. And uh, it's it's very disturbing actually how how he managed to basically force him to end his career early. Yeah, at Ernst. Terrible. And this is the danger. Uh, this is the danger of somebody like Prince Charles. He's got. Yeah. He's got the power, and he can do this. These things. And when you peddling this woo in alternative medicine, it, it affects a yeah. lot of people's lives. Well, happy birthday, Prince Charles! But um, please, even at an old age, it's um, it's a positive thing to realize that you you've been wrong all along. And admitting it's it. It's very <laughs> unlikely. It's very unlikely to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. All right. Thank you very much, Ilana. You're welcome. Well, I hope you. I hope you appreciate the the cake that we diluted so much that you can't see it before we sent it to him. <laughs> <laughs> if you send anything to Prince Charles, I don't think it'll make it to him. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay, uh, let's move on to talking about news items uh, from around Europe. And why don't we stay in the UK now that we've talked about Prince Charles? And um, he's a supporter of many different complementary and alternative medicine claims. But there is something that has been talked about a lot in the UK, and that is uh, chiropractic and chiropractic. And uh, there is an authority that uh, that has been also talked about. That's the Advertising Standards Authority. And when someone makes a claim that is not substantiated or misleading, there is, hmm. or, or misleading, or it gives someone an undeserved advantage over the others, that is what they need to investigate. And uh, in order for uh, chiropractors to avoid being investigated uh, for their claims, they published um, a list of allowed claims to be made by chiropractors in the UK. Mm. And that is something that the above-mentioned Edzard Ernst uh, writes about. And uh, he is very critical about that list, and he has all the reason to be so. Because what it does, this list, is it claims that based on all the evidence that they have access to uh, and it that, that has been reviewed to date, 
they published this list, a, a list of claims that can be made without it being questioned. And that is not a good direction when you think about several of these items on the list. One of them, for example, is uh, joint pains, which is quite a vague category of issues. So, so they can claim that it's effective against they joint pains. They can pain. claim that joint that it's effective against joint uh, joint pains. Uh-huh. Let me just mention an anecdote. I know it's it's not evidence, but my grandmother many many years ago uh, started to have joint pains, and especially. Uh, shoulder uh, complaints, shoulder pains. That is on the list as well, actually. Shoulder complaints, dysfunction, disorders, and pain. Mm. She started out having uh, shoulder pain. And by the time she found out what the problem was, uh, she was diagnosed with melanoma with several metastases. A couple of of months later, she was dead. Hmm. So... Wow, quick. Yeah, so... Imagine if someone goes to a chiropractor with with a pain like that instead of mm. a doctor who will send mm. them to further examinations yeah. and try to find out what the actual problem is. Mm. Yeah. And you go to a chiropractor and they tell you that that it's it's just um something that can be fixed by manipulating your your, your spine. Yeah. And that is another thing that is not acknowledged by uh the the advertising standards authority. They admit that they mostly use spinal manipulation, but it's almost exclusively that. Chiropractors use spinal manipulations. Emphasizing it is not enough. It's almost exclusive. And, uh, and there are other things like migraine prevention. It could be so many other things. As far as I know, the origin of migraines and, and what results in a migraine is not very well understood yet. No. So, muscle spasms, sciatica, it's all sorts of different issues that can originate from many, many different things. And they boil it down to only one thing, spinal issues and spinal manipulation as as a, a treatment. So, I do agree with whatever uh, Edzard Ernst writes regarding the issue, because I do welcome the initiative uh, by by the ASA that they wanted to to avoid the chiropractic association to make claims that are not substantiated, but it's too vague. It's it allows them still to to make claims that are absolutely not based on evidence, and this is misleading. Yeah, I find it strange that they're not making a list of things that they cannot claim. Interesting. Yeah, that that that, that I think would be more effective because if they say you can claim this, this is that's an actually a. Uh, an acknowledgement that it works. Yeah, it's a weird approach. Yeah, it is. Acro- uh, yeah. Approaching it from this angle. Hmm. Okay, this is what you can claim without being questioned. Yeah. yeah. It should all be questioned. Yeah, or possible to question it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they should all be scrutinized because chiropractors, they operate without any scientific basis. So there should not be a list like this. No. Nope. I agree. There should be a list of banned yeah. claims. And 
there is another body that issued a statement that could have worked much better. So it's a Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons um, that has issued a statement as well about veterinary medicine and especially the use of homeopathy. Uh, what they the, the, the statement says, and it's not only Edward Ernst, but also uh, Stephen Novella, our neurological, who writes about that. And they all welcome this statement because it says that they want their members, the members of uh, the RCVS are um, veterinary surgeon and, uh, surgeons and nurses, and they want all their members to base any statement and any practice on science, which is cool, which is a great thing, and it's it should be welcomed by the skeptical community. But even though Edward Ernst doesn't point that out, uh, Steve Novella does, that even though there are several lines and uh, paragraphs of that statement that are very, very good to read, there is one particular line that ruins all that. It goes like this. To protect animal welfare, we regard such treatments as being complementary rather than alternative to treatments for which there is a recognized evidence base or which are based in sound scientific principles. They are talking about homeopathy, which they uh, specifically point out as, as not being based on science. But this part of this uh, st uh, sentence... We regard such treatments as being complementary rather than alternative to treatments yeah. uh, for which there is a recognized evidence base. Yeah. Why? Uh, so that, that only means that you want them to use the science-based treatments first, but you still allow them to use complementary, yeah. so-called complementary treatments like homeopathy. So you, with that one sentence, you basically scrap everything that you said earlier. And you stated earlier yeah. in that statement. It's very misleading. And, and you should say that that's not evidence-based, so therefore do not use it. Exactly. Allowing it to be used as a complement, that means it sounds like it can be even better, right? Yeah. Just to add that on top of the normal uh, treatment. Yeah. And as we as we all know, Steve Novella is not known for for speculating that much. But he does speculate in this article that... Uh, that it it might have been due uh, in there due to uh, some kind of a deal that they had to make uh, a political kind of kind of background of that whole thing that they could not outright bash all this treatment all all these practices but <laughs> why it should it should happen like that yeah so that's the, that's the situation in the UK right now both author authorities and bodies trying to do the good good thing and uh, not quite making it now. <laughs> quite not not quite getting there. No, yeah. Um, we're gonna continue in Spain, uh, where our Spanish skeptic friends um, preparing a great campaign, which I think would be a great campaign. They're collecting these pseudo scientific data from all over the uh, web, data and pictures actually uh, that. Well, ideally, will relate to the field of uh, physical or mental health and uh, will be relevant to Spain. And they're doing it via a website that we'll link in our show notes. So what they want to do is they want to uh, take an action to make a point of showing how big 
the pseudoscience is uh, in, in, in society, especially in the field of uh, health or mental health in this uh, instance. And the, da the data is being collected by doing what we do, so, so, so shouting out to all our listeners and trying to get people to submit the links via online. And also they are appealing to some of the other associations. And uh, they're doing this uh, data collection through all of the uh, month of November. And once the data is collected, uh, they will put it all together and they'll do like a Twitter marathon where they would just tweet this um, uh, collected evidence um, at the government entities and they will try to gain the momentum to put some pressure on, on those uh, government bodies to, to act, which I think is a great evidence of um, skepticism and uh, uh, skeptical organization uh, activism that, that actually potentially can make a, a big difference and a, and a maybe positive change uh, within the, the government bodies and the legislative bodies that, that will then produce a certain legislation. So we'll see, we'll watch that space. I'm not sure if they're targeting specific, uh, uh, specific legislation or not with, with this data, but um, we'll see how that uh, campaign turns out. Yeah. It sounds like a great initiative. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, and I also think uh, it can be used as a template for other uh, such things. Um, oh, yeah. Or for, for, for other such campaigns mm -hmm. in, in, the, in other different European countries. I just don't know how... Um, so I know, for example, in UK, you probably find Twitter accounts for most of the government bodies. So that, that'll be easy. But maybe in other European countries, it's, they're not as visible on Twitter. But I guess Twitter can be used definitely as a tool to build up public pressure. And it's it's the right approach. I mean, you need to understand the, the scale of the problem, the issue first. So you need to collect data. And then when you have the data, then you can try to think of, of what to do. Yep. So I, it's the first campaign that was structured in that way that I came across, mm -hmm. and I thought that's a really that sounds like a really great idea. Yeah. Collect the evidence, say these are the evidence, and sort of build it up so it's like all in one place mm -hmm. and get the engagement from the public. Uh, I think it's a great way to do this. Mm -hmm. And and I guess you know I sometimes uh, dismiss social media as being somewhat of a black hole in many regards, and mm -hmm. uh, of course it, it does contribute to spread of misinformation. But in this particular instance, it, it's a great tool to try to combat the uh, misinformation. Agreed. But yeah, research research is necessary to understand the scale of the problem. And this happened in Hungary very recently. Uh, one of the news outlets called uh, 444 uh, commissioned Median uh, with a survey on the acceptance uh, of homeopathy in gen the general public of Hungary. And uh, it was a representative sample that the survey was uh, carried out on uh, of uh, uh, 1,200 people uh, all across the country. And the results are absolutely shocking. So it was focusing solely on homeopathy and the acceptance of homeopathy. 44% of those uh, questioned or asked think that homeopathy is a useful treatment and illnesses can be treated successfully with homeopathy. Yeah. 44%. Yeah. 41% of the population seems to think that homeopathy 
is basically quackery and it's absolutely useless and it shouldn't be believed in and only 15% doesn't know what to think hmm. women seem to be more among the believers like uh 37% of men believe in it 50 51% of women believe in it so there is a 14% difference which is huge massive and uh men seem to be much more ready to reject it uh 49% of men believe uh think that it's it's quackery 35% of women think that it's quackery which is absolutely surprising is when they correlated it with the level of education that people had who do you think believe in homeopathy more those with a higher level of education or a lower level of education. Well, you would think that it would be the lower level of education, but I th- I am willing to say that it's probably the other way around. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Those who only finished primary school, among them it's only 37% the acceptance of homeopathy. Among those with a with a university level degree, they are accepted at a rate of 52%. Wow. Really? So more than half of those with a diploma <laughs> actually accept homeopathy as as something that works. The reason themselves seem to believing that homeopathy works. <laughs> seems to be the case. Yes. Yes, exactly. But only 22% said that they or someone in their family have ever used homeopathy. Mm. That's something that we would welcome in a way because they don't accept it based on their own experience right that's what we usually argue for not to not to base your own acceptance of something on on your your own personal experience because, because that's just an anecdote but it it seemed to be working the other way around now yeah they accept it even though they have not experienced it themselves when you compare it to, uh, do you remember the, the the European Social Survey? I think we talked about that um, earlier this year, because it happens every second year. Mm-hmm. And when I, I look at the, the, the data from that uh, about homeopathy and the use of homeopathy, on that survey, they came out with the result of 3% having ever used homeopathy in Hungary. 3% only? Yeah. Which is quite surprising because I'm pretty sure it's it's much higher than that. Uh, base, mm, but that's, yeah, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, when you when you look around and ask around and and uh, whew, that's that's just interesting. Hmm. And uh, now we started with the Hungarian Skeptical Society on the on the Facebook page. We started a call, uh, issued a call for boycotting uh, all the pharmacies that sell homeopathy or advertise uh, selling homeopathy. Because the the law is that if there are say if if you run a pharmacy, you have to uh, be able to provide your customers with every single medicinal product out there in the market. So you cannot decide not to sell homeopathy as long as they are registered as medicine, hmm. wow. which they are. Uh, so you have to. But once you start advertising it. That's a different issue. So we are now calling people to boycott those pharmacies that that advertise selling homeopathy. 
Okay, good. Uh, and we already are experiencing uh, some violent attitude <laughs> towards <laughs> us because of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. can imagine. Yeah, yeah death, death threats to follow. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not at that level yet, but uh, well, who knows what happens next. Uh, but staying in Hungary for uh, for for a different thing, authorities are at work um, and are very busy trying to regulate things, and there are some small wins in that regard uh, lately in Hungary, and there is I think it's the National Food Safety Authority that it's called in English, and uh, they earlier this year they banned one of the products that is made out of uh, ragweed you know what ragweed is right not necessarily like ragweed is the scientific name of it is ambrosia artemisifolia and uh, that is uh, a weed that came over to europe from north america about 100 years ago it was introduced and it spreads like crazy it's a very invasive species but the problem is not necessarily that um, the health issue comes with uh, the pollen because towards the end of the summer it starts pollinating and it's one of the strongest allergenic pollens out there hmm. many people suffer from it and we're really talking about suffering <laughs> and this is why it's banned so you have to get rid of it you have to weed it out the moment it starts pollinating so it's it's taken very seriously by authorities i'm i believe not only in in hungary but 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 all across europe but uh where where it is uh probably not in the north uh because it it thrives in in a, a warmer climate so what happens uh is that some people claim because of the name of it ambrosia do you know what Ambrosia is in Greek mythology? No. It's the food of the gods. Ah. So, obviously, people started manufacturing products based on parts of this plant, saying that it's the, the food of the gods, so it has to have healing powers. Of course. And it has not been regulated yet so now the the national food safety authority of hungary banned several products earlier on uh, there was one and another two have been banned lately uh, so that people cannot use it and now fortunately the ban was effective so when i started looking for the products that were previously available on uh, different web shops it's not available anymore so the band hmm. seems to be working. All right. Yeah, but it's only a matter of time that uh, all the conspiracy theories will will start yeah. popping up and yeah. uh, about it. Yeah, that authorities are playing against us because they know that it it has healing powers and special <laughs> magical healing powers. Yeah. I'm sure big ragweed will find a way to smuggle it into Hungary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's ambrosia, ambrosia, and it's it comes in in these small pills and small drops and droplets and and that kind of stuff okay all right so that was hungary mm -hmm. uh, i want to go back to a follow-up for uh, the really wrong segment we did in episode 97 mm -hmm. uh, about glyphosate being listed as a probable 
cause of cancer and uh, therefore banned in the EU. Oh, yeah. Dr. Stephen Novella, who we mentioned already this show, uh, of Skeptic's Guide to the Universe fame, he posted about this subject on 10th of November on his Neurologica blog. And he's in agreement with what we reported. And he points out, uh, well, he doesn't mention us, but he happens to have the same opinion. Ah. If, uh, <laughs> what a mistake. Would, that, that would be good if he used us as a source, but uh, not yet, not yet. But he points out several things that indicate that glyphosate is not a, a problem, or not a big problem anyway, and it doesn't lead to cancer uh, specifically. First, he points out that the opinion of the IARC, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, cancer which is a WHO body, which is the basis for this ban that we talked about the last time, that research is an outlier and it doesn't agree with a lot of other assessments of, of glyphosate. Secondly, as I, I also tried to point out, the, he points out the problem with the probably cause cancer list mm -hmm. that that uh, the IARC is doing. First of all, there's a lack of transparency uh, regarding the reasons to put things on that list. And also that they tend to go on what you would maybe call the safe side, meaning that they put things in there only on very weak suspicions, not on hard evidence. But the reason he the last thing he points out, and the reason he, he, he blogged about it this time, is that the report from Reuters that the A IARC was basing their classification on has now been... Um, uh, the data from that uh, report has now been published. So what can be uh, seen when you look at the data that's now published is that the data was actually negative, And the conclusions made by the authors are not su clearly supported by this data. So he goes into why that is and, and how they have, you know, basically, and what he says, probably for uh, ideological reasons, come to another conclusion than what you can put, can find in the data. And you could go to, I think you should go to, to uh, the Neurologica blog, uh, which we will link to, to see the deeper analysis that Novella is doing. So um, it seems that we uh, were right by calling this a really wrong decision to try to ban it in, in the EU and in the meanwhile the EU is on its way to ban a, a substance without good evidence and this will most likely have negative consequences for both health and environment. So we have evidence that not only Steve Novella but yourself are on the payroll of Monsanto. <laughs> <laughs> the two big authorities on the subject, yes. Gotcha! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. How much did I pay? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I can tell you off when we're off air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, apparently this has been it for uh, news items from across Europe, but uh, we have some other stuff to talk about. One of those is someone who's been really wrong lately. Yep. This week's prize winner may be familiar to, to uh, long-time listeners of the show. I've mentioned them several times, but as far as I remember, I've never actually given them the award, and I think it's upon time to do so. I'm talking about the Anthroposophic Vidar Clinic in Jana, just south of Stockholm in Sweden. We, uh, we've talked to them about them mostly in connection with vaccinations, since... 
although they do claim that they are not anti-vaccination, somehow the vaccination rates in their district fall way below the average, uh, the, the, the recommended rates and the herd immunity rates. And in some parts of Jana, the measles vaccination rate is actually around 5%. Five. Five. That's almost nothing. And, and uh, you know, with measles, you should be... A, Effectively, it's equal to nothing. It's, it's Yeah, because the, the herd immunity rate is 95%, yeah, yeah. not 5 Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for measles, particularly. Oh, yeah. And um, so, just shortly, what is the anthroposophical movement? Well, it was started in the 1920s, so it's not extremely old, less than 100 years old, by uh, Rudolf Steiner, the same guy who invented the Steiner schools, also known as Waldorf schools. Mm-hmm. Anthropos Philosophy is a mixture of, uh, of spiritualism and magical thinking and with some remedies inspired by homeopathy. Mm-hmm. But the reason for bringing up this time is a post that the, the Vidar Clinic posted on, on the 30th of November on their webpage. It's signed by Ursula Flatters. She is the head of the Vidar Clinic and he, she is a registered MD, uh, GP. And uh, that would lead you to believe that she should know better. Uh, The post has this header, (laughs) roughly translated, tips for self-care in the autumn. Uh, So it's a long list of what you could do to stay healthy at this time of year. Uh, The first recommendation is that wormwood tea is a fantastic thing to prevent uh, getting a cold. Put some honey in it if it's too bitter and if it's still not to your liking, maybe you can use yarrow tea instead. Mm-hmm. Vitamin C is also very good to prevent a cold. Well, spoiler, no, it isn't. And she recommends ginger, cardamom, anise, etc. All kinds of herbs and, and, and things. But if you do this and still catch a cold, then she re- recommends foot baths with mustard seeds and sliced lemons. And they supposedly help uh, also against headaches and, and uh, sinusitis. So I don't know how can you how can you cure something in the head by putting your feet in a, a bowl of uh, lemon juice. I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> well. Then she says, if you still feel ill and if it doesn't work, so it's sort of like she suspects that you won't. <laughs> you may <laughs> you may have caught influenza, but not to worry. She knows what to do about that as well. There are anthroposophical remedies. Well, she calls them medicines, but I refuse to say that. Those are good because, quote, they have been used for a long time by a lot of people. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the evidence. We call that argument from antiquity an argument from popularity. She recommends something called infludo or infludoron. That's two different substances, but it's actually the same thing. John is, one is just fluid, it's drops, and the other is a pill. It's made from several herbs, mostly wolfsbane, which is a garden flower. Uh, that's actually deadly if you consume it in, in big quantities. But, but this is where you are happy that Rudolf Steiner was inspired by homeopathy, because it's so much diluted that it probably doesn't do a lot. But you should note also that the drops contain 65% alcohol. 
That is powerful stuff, mm, my friends. It is powerful stuff. This it'll help. It'll help with something, <laughs> yeah. but not the thing that it's. That's why to you should only with. take a few drops, right? And also why children <laughs> are recommended to take the pill instead. Mm. Uh, for kids, she also recommends dressings of lemons at the back of the knee uh, to help against the uh, colds and influenza, and for ear infections. Onion compresses applied to the ear overnight. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Detailed mm. recipes and info on where to buy the anthroposophic remedies are attached in the blog. I will not tell not you obviously. where to get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this surprise, there's no. I'm surprised there's no garlic compress. Well, she probably didn't get to that, but it's a long, long blog post. You know, this is an educated, qualified medical doctor talking and she has a lot of authority a lot of people are 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 listening to her she is pretty famous and 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 she's idolized by the anthroposophical people she also you know speaking of argument from authority she uses the argument of authority to herself i've seen that on television so so, well i to convince herself no to convince you she said she's placed the the authority card but i said well i am a doctor and i would not lie to you so listen to what Ah, i have to say that's basically what you're saying so that's i think that's a special uh, logical fallacy you know Uh argument from self or what would you call that (laughs) (laughs) Or, or argument from hubris or something like that (laughs) <laughs> I like uh, that one. Yeah, we should introduce that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so for spreading all these alternative treatments on a, actually, I should say, on a web page belonging to a health clinic um, with the authority of being a registered MD, Ur- Ursula Flatters and the Vida Clinic gets today's prize for being really wrong. And again, it's very well deserved. Mm. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I do encourage every one of our listeners, if they hear about something that they they feel like it would reserve a really wrong price or uh, just uh, deserve to be talked about on among the news items or just in general on the show, please let us know. Please yeah, get in touch. By all means, let us know, because there are certain countries where I cannot, you know, because I don't understand the language, I wouldn't find these things. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get in touch with us uh, by visiting our website, which is www.theesp.eu and complete the form there. Or you can email us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu. Also, find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. Yeah. And and if you haven't noticed or heard, we do have a uh, Patreon page as well. So at patreon.com slash DESP, and we link from that on, on, on our webpage, of course. You could go in and become a patron and, and giving us a euro or two per episode. That would really help in keeping the show going. So please do that. Thank you. Definitely. But we should be concerned not only about uh, keeping the show going, but... Uh, ending the show as well uh, because it always <laughs> nice segue not, there yeah, not very man, nice. i mean i mean not in general we are we are gonna keep doing it uh it's just every single episode has to come to an end yeah. so um the best way to end an episode is always with yelena throwing in a nice quote 
So this week's quote is from Aristotle, an ancient Greek philosopher, and he said that wise men speak when they have something to say, fools speak because they have to say something. Ooh, that's a nice one. It goes for women too, though, I should say. I was trying not to react to that. <laughs> wise people, <laughs> not, wise not people say, speak, so, yeah. Not to say anything. <laughs> but there's a lot of truth in it, yes. Don't take it personally, Anders. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I'm just <laughs> okay. trying to play, play along and uh, and not not say anything just because I want to say something. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. There. Okay. Cool. It's worth taking it to your heart. Thank you very much, Yelena. And uh, I'd like to thank both of you, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next week with our hundredth episode Ooh. coming up. Goodbye. 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 This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Gastroendetorable. That's also hard to say. Gastroendetorol. Gastroendetorol. <laughs> Gastroenterology. Gastroenterology. Okay, yeah. Cracking on with the show, I'd like to ask Yelena to to talk about someone's. Uh, okay. <laughs> ah! Yelena. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. And it's apparent that uh, the okay. Um, I've got a quote from Aristotle, who used to be. I've got a quote from Aristotle, who was an ancient <laughs> Greek philosopher. Be, used to be a. a, a yeah, before he went into another business, he was <laughs> <laughs> the good old Aristotle <laughs> pal. Mm. We used to go to the pub together, you know. Yeah, yeah. He used to be a wrestler, or he used to be a, a, a jerk, or I don't know. Oh. Okay, uh, sorry. Um, go, 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 go on. <laughs>